When you go to a concert, what do you want to see? Do you want to hear your favourite songs, the ones you already know every single word to? Or do you want to hear the new songs that may be your new favourites? I mean, every set list by every band has struggled with this very idea. Singer-songwriter Tim Finn is giving people both. After a decade or so off the touring circuit, he's heading out on tour and playing all the fan favourites from Split Ends, Crowded House, his solo work and everything in between. Tim Finn, welcome to you. Thank you very much. Your tour is the lives and times of Tim Finn. I mean, how many lives has Tim Finn had exactly? Do you divide them seasonally into the bands you were with or the lovers you had at the time? I think that's a very good question. Um, could take us a while. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not asking for a, like a, a, a list. <laughs> Well, Maybe of bands, I, I, but of songs, but perhaps not lovers. I yeah, thank you for that. I, a cat has nine lives. I mean, they use that expression in music too, and I've never dared to, to use it. It would sound sort of a bit corny, I suppose, if you referred to your band as those guys that those cats can really play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, in terms of lives and music. Um, yeah, I mean, even within Split Ends, which lasted for 12 years, if you look at the early Split Ends, you can find the videos on YouTube um, talking about songs like, say, Lovey Dovey or Sweet Dreams, and then you spin forward to 1982 or 83 when we were doing, um, <clears throat> you know, History Never Repeats or uh, Six Months in Leaky Boat. There was a radical shift in the way we looked. Um, the songs had changed. They'd simplified, if you like. We went as far as we could deconstructing the song and then we started constructing it back again. Um, to the three-minute pop song, which was uh, always our favourite anyway. I love the three-minute form. You, you don't find that limiting. I mean, it obviously is the purity of the form, you know, brevity being the kind of power of it. You don't find it limiting. Yeah, not at all. No, I think well, there's a great expression I saw once on the inside of a drum packet. It said, freedom is absence of choice. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Authoritarian um, governments also uh, issue the same edict, but we, <laughs> we, we won't go there. No, uh, but the song form is like a Chinese vase. You, you can repeat it for a thousand years, I think. Um, it's just like infinite variety and subtlety within that beautiful, simple form. Last year you released an album with former bandmate Eddie Rayner, Shades and Echoes, which sort of samples uh, from Split Ends tracks that you've re-recorded or recorded over. I'm not sure how you'd describe it. But there, anyway, was there a temptation to make an Ends album or, or was the work totally separate for you? Those, what we did there was we, we, would, we would listen back to a sort of a short section of an early split end song because there were so many parts to some of those songs. There was one song that was 16 minutes long and it never repeated. So we were kind of obsessed, I suppose. No chorus. <laughs> no, no chorus. Um, <laughs> That's the opposite of the three-minute pop song, isn't it? It is. And we Antithesis, went, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We went as far as you can go, I think, in that, in that direction. And we, we never thought of ourselves as prog rock either. So we were off on some other niche genre that um, has yet to be defined perhaps but um, definitely we're interested in sort of deconstructing the song but what what Eddie and I did was sit around we'd find these little fragments and then write a new song over it so what it did was it it allowed us to sort of play with memory and um, nostalgia if you like for our own youth and then also bring it back into the here and now with lyrics that reflect that so um, it was a wonderful exercise I don't know if Anybody else has actually had tried that, but I recommend it. It's a bit of like a conversation starter, a memory, a fragment of a memory. Yeah. And then it takes two people to put the other fragments together and build on them, I suppose. Exactly. You, you've turned your mind to writing other types of music recently, like musicals with Ladies in Black and uh, Ishiguro's comic short story, Come Rain or Come Shine. What, was this about flexing your creativity, getting into the unfamiliar territories? What was it about the, these works that interested you? 
I was always interested. I mean, even as a child, I used to, you know, I was that annoying kid who would write little plays and make his friends be in them. I would make my my sisters and my brother be in them. Um, Were you always the hero? The, uh, yeah, <laughs> usually. Although I didn't actually want to be um, in them uh, particularly. It's just I couldn't find it. You know, you just wanted to boss Neil around. <laughs> yeah. uh, fair, fair enough. Well, there was one we did that was particularly dark um, because I'd heard, as children, we'd heard this story um, about somebody who had stabbed the host, um, who brought up as Catholics, and, and were told that the transubstantiation was actually happening in the Mass and that the piece of bread was now body, uh, Jesus's body. And I rather love that anyway now as an adult and somebody who's a lapsed Catholic. Um, I do love that idea of transubstantiation and this miracle that used to happen every Sunday. But we were told that somebody had stabbed that host, a heretic, a disbeliever, uh, you know, somebody who was definitely going to go to hell, and blood had come out. And, of course, it probably never happened, but we had reenacted that in my sister's bedroom and I think I was the, pre- uh, the person, the perpetrator. Was it the whole fake vampire blood and everything? Uh, <laughs> can we just leave it there? I mean, yeah. So someone went to hospital I, to today. I suspect we dared not fake the blood, but, you know. We Such were just, was your commitment to the roles. Exactly. And I Method loved, acting. You know, I loved going to, to Mass anyway, so I was quite a strong believer as a little boy because it's just the poetry and the madness of it all. It just really appealed to me. Nick Cave talks a bit about that transubstantiation. There's something so – it is the purest form of magic in organised religion. It surely must be. Absolutely, it is. And metamorphosis also, like going, going back to Homer's Odyssey, I mean metamorphosis, we all kind of believe in it, want it. And, you know, the idea of can we change? I think that that's the kind of state we're in now in a secular age. We're sort of wondering, can we actually change? You know, what what is the ritual or what's the pivot moment that's going to make us change into better people? You know, it's, it's a big question. One of the things I love about working at the National Broadcaster is our long, long memories and our deep, deep archives. Take a listen of a clip that I found from you in 1991 on an episode of ABC's 7.30. Take a listen. I wrote this song as a response to a friend of mine, a writer in New York, telling me about a piece he'd written on Keith Haring, the graffiti artist. Um, He'd written a story about him, and uh, Keith Haring, of course, had died from AIDS a few years back. And the fact that this story came to me through a friend, I think I was able to feel for the situation more strongly than I had been able to previously. It's, after all, our inability to empathise that makes us stupid. Uh, Here's the song. It's called Hit the Ground Running. I love that you smiled <laughs> during that. It does strike me that this kind of observation is even more pertinent today. Have you managed to retain that empathy? I think empathy is something you have to work at. It's it's innately in us all, but um, it's obscured by habits and, and uh, ego and, and all the rest of it. And so it's in there. It's not like – I mean, that's why I like Buddhism because it's a reductive – Philosophy. It's uh, it's it's not about adding on things. It's about actually peeling things away. Um, that really that really appeals to me. Excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah, of course. The idea of suffering is central to Buddhism. That pain is certain, but suffering is optional. Do you think about that? Yeah, I do. I, suffering obstacles are the path. That's the other interesting thing. One of the other many interesting things about Buddhism is that the obstacle itself that you might come across in your in your daily life can be the path, you know, if you look at it the right way. It's a, it's a really interesting philosophy of, you know, emptiness and non-attachment, which is so difficult. Um, but, but it doesn't insult the intelligence and it, and it, it can inspire you just, you know, in the moment. Um, I'm just still very much a stumbling along, you know, practitioner. I practice it, 
but I don't uh, pretend to be able to teach it or or speak about it very much. But it, it greatly appeals. Yeah. Has your Buddhism helped you? I mean, I, I remember you've had periods of unhappiness. You've had panic attacks. You've written songs about it. Dirty Creature is an example. Six Months in a Leaky Boat is another. Has the Buddhism separated you from that person? Um, it's perhaps... Or peeled that layer away. Encouraged, well, it, encouraged, it encourages me to, th- to think of the lack of person or the lack of self. You know, the more you try and fixate on who I am. There's a lot of talk these days about identity and I think there's a lot of suffering there if you keep looking for your identity because actually you, there is no fixed self. We're an aggregate. You know, we're made up of our parents' DNA and, and skin and bones and all the rest of it, and there's no such thing. You know, every seven years all the atoms change anyway in our bodies. Uh, of course, we act as if we really do exist and we really are a solid entity, but we're not, and we're going to atrophy and we're going to, you know, crumble away and dissolve. Um and so if you actually can try and remember that and live that way, it, it, it relieves some of the suffering that you get from, I am this and I am that and I want to be this. And, you know, it's endless suffering ahead if you go that way. It's been 50 years since Split Ends was formed. That's many, many atoms that have come and gone in your, your body. Uh, do, 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 you, do you ever think about what it would be like starting a band in today's music industry, in today's culture? Oh, that's, that's a good one because... Yeah, it's poignant. There's very there are very few bands out there now. Bands, you know, it's just not something that a lot of young people want to do. Um, a lot of old people probably want to do it, form a band. It's such a great thing. It's so romantic and amazing, but it's difficult. You're in a room with people, you got to deal with them, you know, and it's not easy sometimes. But I don't know why there are so few bands and record companies hate them because they're so difficult to deal with. <laughs> At least with an influencer, you know, they can be bought and sold easily. <laughs> yeah. There's only one of them. They yeah. don't have a rider. There's no bass player to get into a biff. I mean, it's just an influencer. Maybe that's exactly. the easy. Maybe that's the answer to your question about why people don't want to be in bands these days because influencers, are, they can get to the end point of fame and fortune much quicker, much easier without that. Struggle. Could be, it could be. I mean, I've heard of bands breaking up on their first band meeting because they know so much. I think that part of the problem now is that they know so much. We were very naive and didn't know anything. We didn't, I didn't know what a publishing deal was. I didn't know what any of that meant. And there were no reference books and, of course, there was no internet. So these days young people come into meetings like that and they all know exactly what's what and they have an, they sort of have a slight disagreement about it and they go, oh, well, this is like, forget it, mate, I'm out of here. Well, they're arguing over the marketing plan before they argue about the, <laughs> the, the uh, lyrics it's, or it's something. It's very sad, really, yeah. But, you know, that's just uh, – bands have been – I mean, they'll come back for sure. I read that you were chatting with Jimmy Barnes about the dying art of, of frontman or being a frontman. Uh, are, are bands too tame these days to be putting on a proper show, like a proper show? Oh, I mean, what a shame if that's true. But, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, Jimmy and I were having – because we were lead singers. The lead, the lead singer is – you can. it's quite a figure of fun really in some ways. That, what's that great film um, where the band get back together? Uh, you know that one I mean. Uh, I'll tell you who's in it. Lead lead guy is uh, that, uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye is playing the lead singer of a band. Mm. And he does that check me out in the mirror thing before he goes oh, on stage. Love Actually. Yeah, it's yes, so yes, good. Yes. And, and also that film, um, 
almost famous sort of hints that you know the the lead singer has a fight with the guitarist because the guitarist is much cooler and but and the lead guy goes yeah but I I'm the guy who looks out there and finds the guy that's bored and and gets him off you know <laughs> it's all that stuff uh, I love being a lead uh, lead singer I think it's it's totally uncool and totally cool at the same time well there's so much to be cancelled for these days <laughs> that being a lead singer yeah it's better to be hiding in the background with the drummer I think <laughs> let me ask you how, how many tours do you reckon you've got left in you I'm not sure. I was actually, because I've been writing a lot of theatre and really enjoying uh, being behind the scenes, I actually thought that touring days, my touring days were over and I was I was okay with that. You know, I didn't feel like I was letting it go with any sense of regret. But I was lured out of my cave uh, because of this gig I did at Manly last year and it went so well and I was doing all the songs through from 1977 right through and just felt great and, I, yeah, I was lured back. So it was the completeness of it? Like you weren't just focusing on one part of your career, clearly. Was that why you were appealed by this tour? Um, it was partly that we did it chronologically. I'd never done that. Um, so, for example, Icy Red came really early and you would never do that normally. We tried it once with Split Ends. We played Icy Red first and it was such a peak moment of madness and then the whole set was trying to recover, you know, that get that audience Energy, back to that yeah. point. We couldn't do it. I mean, it, yeah, so, but to put it early, it was risky, but it worked. And then we went through from there to 1978, 79, 80, 81, and we just kind of went through. I only got it as far as, I think we got to the 90s. And then that was <laughs> like a long set already. So you've got so, so much catalogue to get through. It must be, yeah. you should do a Paul uh, Kelly and do a multi, multi-night sort of how to make gravy situation. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I think it'd be good to come back and do smaller venues and do some of the more obscure albums. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I think performing feeds into the writing in a really interesting way. It's like why Dylan does 150 shows a year. You know, it's not so because he loves playing live, I don't think, although he probably kind of enjoys it. It's just that he then he has an album, like ready to go almost, you know. Well, Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure to get the chance to talk with you. I wish you all the best in the tour, The Lives and Times of Tim Finn. Gets underway September 13th. Tickets are available online. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.